I don't agree with a lot of your vision statement, but I do know you've been going around having these discussions and getting everybody emotionally worked up to talk about vision and debate. But I want to get to the practical. You're trying to go from preschool to. to What's the question, Mal? What's the question, Mal? Give me an exact, direct question, please. I can absolutely blame white supremacy. <laughs> Why this motherfucker's a fool, bro? This is a fool, man. This man, Charlemagne, is a whole motherfucking fool. In the morning, the Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Teslin Figaro is with us this morning. I can't wait to see you attempt this name. And we got a special guest in the building, <laughs> Vivek Ramaswamy. Did yes. I say it right? That's actually pretty good. It's better than most pretty hosts. Good. I've never heard of this guy before. Never. And he's running for office from the Republican Party. <laughs> yeah, it's like Ramaswamy. Like Ramaswamy. Ram, but yeah. Well, I said Ram Ramaswamy. Yeah. yeah, you got it. Ramaswamy. <laughs> well, good morning. Good to see you guys. How you good feeling? To see you too. Feeling good, guys. You're running for uh, a president. I am running for president. Yeah, you're actually polling third behind uh, Trump and DeSantis right now. The latest Fox poll. So how have I never heard about this guy? He's running third in the polls. That's crazy. I'm gonna speed this thing up to 1.5. Y'all let me know if that's too fast for y'all, and I won't do it in the future. But I like to listen to my stuff fast. I'll show you a distant third. A distant third. <laughs> a distant third. Yes. I'm about to say the third from second is huge. But what do you think you need to do to close, close that guy? I mean, most people in this country do not know who I am. So against yes. that background, <laughs> ahead of a vice president and a bunch of U.S. senators and a former U.S. ambassador and governors is honestly ahead of where I expected to be right now. Mm -hmm. Our goal was to be in third by the end of the year. And then you have the Iowa caucus, and then you have the New Hampshire primary. And the fact that you go those early states <laughs> in order makes it possible for an outsider like me to actually do this because we spend uh, a lot of time getting to know people in those states. Okay, so one thing about it, two things for sure. We got to stop uh, telling people that being an outsider is necessarily a good thing in politics. Like, look, it's okay to be an outsider for whatever that means because just because you wasn't in public office don't mean you don't run in the circles with powerful people or you know people who may be politically connected and things of that sort. But lately, we've come to this position in our country where being an outsider is somehow supposed to give you brownie points. Like, it's supposed to make you more qualified for a political position if you wasn't in politics. And I'm sorry to say it, but there are plenty of jobs that have nothing to do with the impact that you have on most of the country who a lot of people are not qualified for, who we would not hire them to do. For example, I wouldn't hire somebody who has no experience in plumbing to come in my house and do plumbing. I also wouldn't hire somebody who's never driven a semi-truck to jump behind the wheel of a semi-truck and drive it. It makes no sense. Now, can you acquire the tools to be a good leader and to make great decisions on behalf of groups of people? Yes, you can acquire that skill and you can relate that to being the president. But also, do you know enough about policy? Do you know enough about the powers of the executive office? Do you know enough about the legislator or the judicial to know exactly what you can do and what you can't do? How familiar are you with the Constitution? Like, these things matter when it talks about running for a certain political office and wanting to affect and have change on people's life. But we have to get over this nonsense about, oh, I'm an outsider. Because generally, like... That's not a good thing. When I hear outsider, I think uh, that I'm supposed to clap. I'm supposed to be excited. That's like half of Trump's appeal. And it just never made sense that somehow he wasn't in bed with rich, powerful interests like the other politicians. <laughs> and the thing about Trump is I knew that when Trump said that he was an outsider and that he somehow that was supposed to qualify him for being um better for office. I knew that that wasn't a qualifier. I knew that that was a bad idea. That's not a good selling point, in my opinion. It should never be a good selling point for anybody. Donald Trump, the only thing Donald Trump did that made that such a strong selling point is because 
he was making claims about draining the swamp. He was making claims about rooting out the corruption and in the government and somehow the system had got politically corrupt and somebody who wasn't within the system had to come in and change it all up. But did that necessarily happen? Because then we got the bait and switch because now you got the power. Now you're in office, but necessarily now you got a bunch of excuses on why you couldn't get the way you wanted it. It's the deep state. They stopping you from doing this, that, and the third. And it has to be a fallacy somewhere. You can't be damned if I do, damned if I don't. At some point, either being an outsider is good for politics or it's not. And you can't have it both ways. And you can't get in there and cry wolf once you got the power. And so the, it's going to be a steady process. The debates, I think, are pretty key. They start in August. I'm qualified for the debate stage already. Mm-hmm. I tend to like settings where we're debating. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that goes well. And you know, we'll see where this takes us. Does Why anybody who's not a white male really stand a chance of being a Republican? Not Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that there's they this. Seem like, they don't seem like they're open to that kind of diversity. I'll be honest. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Okay. Oh, my goodness. All right. So check this out. I'm not going to lie. This guy right here is very well-spoken. I cannot lie. He has a, a smooth, buttery texture to his voice. I, I have to give him that. He sounds like he's really keen on speaking clearly and getting his point across just by what I've heard so far. Now, the question that comes from Charlemagne the God, listen and listen well. Listen to what Charlemagne the God asks him. Maybe I need to slow it back down. That way we ain't missing something. Yeah. Let me get back to normal. Tend to like settings where we're debating. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that goes well. And, you know, we'll see where this takes us. Does Why anybody people... who's not a white male really stand a chance of being a Republican? Does anybody that's not a white male really stand a chance of being nominated as a Republican? <sighs> okay, so let's 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 look at the facts. For most of American history, the Democrat Party and the Republican Party have produced mostly, if not all, except one white male as their front runner who wins the election. Okay. So it's not really Republican and Democrat. We've had one president, one president who was not fully white. Obama was half white who became president. So the chances of somebody not being white and winning the nomination and becoming president in both parties are slim to none. It's not unique to the Republican party. But the Republican Party has had many candidates of color of different genders who have ran for office. But that's a silly question on his face because now he's trying to make this a race thing. It's not more so about qualifications. Now it is, hey, the Republican Party is implied in the question. The Republican Party is racist, right? That's why he asked that question because it's no secret at this point, the Breakfast Club on, on where they stand. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it's expected. I'm not going to beat up too much on it because I already know exactly what you're going to get when you come on this channel um, to watch The Breakfast Club. No, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that there's they don't, this... They don't, seem like, they don't seem like they're open to that kind of diversity. I, I'll be honest with you. I um, <laughs> I travel the country. <laughs> they don't seem like they're open to that kind of diversity. Who says? Who says? What about Tim Scott? What about Tim Scott? What, what, what about... um? Uh, what, uh, what my boy name is? Um, uh, dang, it's been a long time since I've been out of politics. Um, uh, Ben Carson. What about Ben Carson? There are plenty of black influential Republicans. I don't. I don't understand. I have not really experienced meaningful racism from grassroots conservative audiences for the last 
you know, several years that I've been so they, since I stepped down from my business career. That was a different world I was in. But for my book tours and everything else, and then now for this campaign, traveling the country. You know, it's it's funny. That's the that's the impression that you get from the media, meeting people from Iowa, Ohio, Michigan, New Hampshire. I don't see that at all. In fact, one thing I hate about politics, one thing that I strongly hate about politics, and I mean this at the core of my soul. I am so tired of hearing about your experience when you out meeting faceless people that we can never interview and ask if that's actually what they told you. It's so easy to just lie and say, oh, I'm out there meeting people of all different stripes and they're telling me this. But then you'll get on the stage with your opponent and your opponent will say the opposite. Oh, I'm out in the streets and I'm doing this and they're saying the complete opposite of what you're saying. We understand that when you go out on the campaign trail or when you're out there in certain cities or whatever, you have a selection bias. The people that's coming to see you and the people that's coming to talk to you, they are already biased towards you. So you're going to get a blinded vision of where the country is. Does that make sense? Now, if you go into your political opponents rallies or their environments and you're having conversations with people who you know disagree with you and they're saying these things, I would lead more credit. I, I would lean more to giving you credibility for that. But you don't get any points for talking to people who already liked you enough to come see you telling you these things. In fact, I just see a hunger for substance, ideas, what's actually going to make the country better. I mean, very good and bad. Actually, yeah. I'm very encouraged by that. And I think that more people should. I mean, I used to live here in New York. Charlemagne the God is what I would consider to be the worst type of person, not because he's a bad person, but because his bias gets the best of him in almost all situations. This was the same guy who interviewed Joe Biden. Joe Biden said, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. And he just sat there and was completely like, oh, okay. And we know that if that was somebody on the opposite side that he didn't plan on voting for or supporting, it would have been a totally different story. But I really do genuinely believe that Charlemagne the God believes the thing that he says. I really do believe that. So I don't think he's a bad guy. I just think that his bias get the best of him in a lot of different circumstances. And for him to be in the position that he's in, trying to be politically engaged, trying to reach the black audience, uh, it, it, it's more so he is preaching to the choir. We know that most black people vote for Democrat. And honestly... I don't think Charlemagne the God is going to change that, but you know, as well. And I'm not saying this about you guys, but I remember for me, you get trapped in a bubble. When we get out of that bubble, going to South Carolina. Well, perfect. Well, South Carolina, South Carolina. When did you, when did you grow up there? Uh, My whole life. I didn't move to New York till 2006. So I understand. 2006. Yeah. Yeah, But but I, I actually think a lot of what I'm saying is specific to, I think the country is in a different place today, even than it was in the nineties and two thousands. I grew Mm -hmm. up in Southwest Ohio in the 1990s. Very different environment than it is today. But anyway, I, I mean, it is a good note. I don't think that there's some sort of racist obstacle in the mind of Republican primary voters. Actually, if you look at the Republican field, even some of those other people on that poll you were mentioning, I mean, Tim Scott, Nikki Tim Scott, Haley, Nikki Haley yeah. you know, go down the list. I mean, there's even <laughs> others as well. It's, it's one of those things you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Let's say, all right, I'm willing to grant this situation where let's say that the Republican Party is racist. Let's say we grant that from, from, from the get go. 
we're going to grant that the Republican Party is racist. Let's say everybody in the Republican Party is racist. Okay, we live in a two-party system where it's either going to be a Democrat or a Republican that's going to end up president in 10 out of 10 cases. Uh, that's the way the history has been. If that's the case, wouldn't it be better for people to try to diversify the Republican Party and throw their hat in the ring from different backgrounds and try to, like, you know, sway people to a more fair and balanced two-party system? But oftentimes what you hear is that you should just throw your hands up and give up on the Republican Party because if you do give up on the Republican Party, uh, you could always go to the Democrats. And one of the issues that I find is like, well, that's never going to work. It's never going to work. I would rather, much rather two sane political parties battling it out over sane ideas than abandoning one party to just absurdity, if that was the case. You know, uh, and oftentimes we we feel like it's a win-lose situation when it doesn't have to be a win-lose situation. It can be a win-win situation. We can have a strong uh, Democrat party. We can have a strong Republican party. There can be different voices with different ideas who also disagree amongst themselves. But everybody is generally working in the common interest of the American people. And when I say the common interest of the American people, I'm not saying what all Americans want because majority of Americans can want something and it'd be the bad thing to do. Now, there are going to be people who argue that you should still do the will of the people, but I don't necessarily think that representative democracy works that way. I think we elect leaders and we hope that they make the best decision in our interest. And the reason that we do that is because there are going to be things that these people have access to that the common person in America just doesn't have access to. No sane decent nine to five working America, American who has kids and a career has time to learn, study, and understand politics to the level that somebody whose job it is to understand politics. So we have to kind of, you know, outsource our politics to representatives. And I think that's the best way forward. Now, the the issue comes in is that, and some people are going to be disagree with me on this. Some people, that's fine. But I think the the federal government has gotten so big and so complicated that it's nearly impossible for you to be an informed citizen. It's nearly impossible. And the moment I think that your government has gotten so complicated and so like confusing that the average person can't relate and can't keep up with it, you no longer truly have an informed citizen. I know I went on for a yeah. minute. Larry Elder, black man's running. I mean, I think we'll see Ooh, we'll see who, who ends up succeeding. But I, whoever it is, I don't think it's going to be a racial bias that holds me back. Why should people vote for you? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm somebody who is coming in as an outsider to the system. And I think in the White House, when it comes to the White House, if we really want to reform a lot of the corruption in government, it is going to take an outsider to get that job done. Now, I said earlier that I don't like this argument. I really don't like this argument because... On, on the face of it, you don't want somebody who's inexperienced trying to try their hand at something. and It could have disastrous effects. On the other hand, let's say I'm right. What happens then? Are we expecting somebody who's been a part of the political system for decades or longer to finally wake up one morning and decide that there needs to be drastic changes and that they need to somehow fix the system? And even if that's the case, only that person will even come close to being able to do it because they understand how the system works. But you're talking about somebody who doesn't really understand the system because they haven't been in the system long enough to know how it works. You're going to spend most of your time in office just trying to figure things out and trying to understand the complexities of the government. 
it's it's a catch twenty two. You you really can't have it either way. The only way for the government to change is for the ground up. There has to be a movement in this country where brothers and sisters of all political backgrounds are seeing common interests that they all can share and know that needs to be changed to come together and make that change and demand that who's ever in office and whoever holds political power makes those changes. Is that happening anytime soon? Of course it isn't because we, especially with social media, especially with YouTube and Twitch and podcasts and all of these different things, there are people who make millions of dollars dividing you. There are people whose job it is to literally make enemies of one another in our society, fighting over trans issues, LGBTQ community issues, taxes. We're talking about all different sorts of issues that we can never seem to resolve. Abortion, for example. These are things that we're constantly fighting over that it it, it really just puts us at a stalemate. And in the meantime, people get rich. I'm 37. I'm the first millennial ever to run for president as a Republican. <laughs> and I think I have a view on our generation of what's going on. This oh never mind not in the country I'm, I'm where we are all so hungry for a cause, for purpose and meaning and identity. But the things that used That's to give us that line. sense of purpose, faith, patriotism, family, hard work, these things are out, and that's why we latch on to fill in the blank. I mean, in conservative circles, a lot of us will point to wokeism, gender ideology, the climate <laughs> cult, COVIDism. But you could fill in the blank with depression. All right. So here's something. I got a little piece of pie, a little slice of heaven that I got to impart on you. The lack of God, the lack of religion in society doesn't necessarily have to transform into a woke ideology or anything of that sort. See, this to me is one of those situations where it's kind of hard for me to argue. On one hand, I'm just one person. I'm somebody who is not religious. but I don't find myself being sucked into these ideologies that these people say is filling it up like COVIDism. You heard that? (laughs) COVIDism. (laughs) I caught that too. (laughs) But like, I'm one of those people that feel like it doesn't have to be either or. There's this mindset that if you lose religion, if you lose God, somehow people are going to fill that hole with something else. Here's the hard part for me. It may be true, but I just don't know enough to guarantee it, right? I do know a lot of people who are not religious who have thrown themselves completely into politics in a way that it consumes them. But let's take a step back. Are there not religious people who do the same exact thing? Are there not religious conservatives who throw themselves into politics and politics become everything? We saw what the evangelicals did during the Trump era. There are plenty of people who are religious who throw themselves into politics and get very adamant about it. And it's always been that way. So we cannot argue that somehow being less religious leads you to creating a political religion or ideology, while at the same time ignoring the fact that that happens to deeply religious people as well. So on one hand, I want to agree. But on the other hand, the evidence is not conclusive. But part of politics is asserting things without the need for evidence because it's supposed to be intuitive. Politics is not the art of evidence and data. Politics is the art of persuasion. And as soon as people get that through their heads, they will stop wasting time trying to uh, clip, you know, clip people up over, oh, they were wrong here, they were wrong there. Yeah, they might be wrong, 
But how many people did they persuade? How many people agree with them? How many people had this intuitive sense that, oh, they resonated with them? See, that's one thing that we missed about Donald Trump. Uh, a lot of people could call out Donald Trump lies. He lies, 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 lies. We can call out all of these lies. Yeah, true. Donald Trump is a liar. Whether you agree with him, whether you voted for him or not, Donald Trump is a liar. But he was able to persuade a large percentage of people, nearly over half of this country, to follow him. And some people still follow him because politics is the art of persuasion. It's not about right and wrong. It's about how do I make you feel? You know, it's about feelings. And on a deep fundamental level, we know that it shouldn't be about it. But what happens is we feel something first and then logic and reason follows. And if you're a very intelligent person, you can reason your way into an absurd claim because you feel some way about it. And the same thing can happen to somebody who's not that intelligent. They'll just consume whatever the intelligent person told them and try to regurgitate it. And hopefully it makes them feel smart. Anxiety. Drug I'm use. breaking it down tonight, y'all. Suicide. I came with it. I think these are symptoms we of a even deeper got hunger for purpose and meaning in our country. <laughs> and so in some ways, I'm running as a member of my generation to say that we can fill that void with the things that actually give us real purpose. Revive family in America. That's actually a big part of my platform. Okay. Revive family is one of his uh, big things, right? I wonder how he plans to do that. I wonder if the question, see, this is what an interview should be like. Okay. You said you want to revive families. Tell me what your plan is of accomplishing that. Let's see if you have realistic goals. It's measurable. It's obtainable. Most people can get behind this plan. It makes sense. It's easy. It's easily conveyed to the people. Like let's nail down on these little things that you want to accomplish. This is what a good interview should do. Right. But oftentimes we get caught up in the wrong nonsense. What allowed me to achieve success? My parents gave me a great family foundation. I didn't grow up in money. We're trying to give that to my two kids as well. I want that to be enjoyed by Americans across the country. Belief in the country, national pride. Less than 16% of Gen Z even says they're proud to be an American. Okay, now this is one of the things that struck me, right? Um, I've always had an issue with this. Um, I come from a community and I've spoken with a lot of people who don't seem to like America very much. I'll meet liberals who, in a general sense, they like their country. They love their country. They just want their country to be better. They just feel like we can improve in some areas. Then I meet a lot of people who just despises America, but they will never truly come out and say, I hate America, but you can pick it up on subtle things that they say. For example, if you meet somebody who has everything wrong to say about America, but can never, you never see them once take the chance to praise America for something good it did. Even if it's something in the past, to take a moment to say, hey, we can bond over this as Americans. That is a person who feels dirty about being proud to be an American. Now, there is a level of, of the onion that we have to peel back, right? Because the reason we got to peel back the onion is some people have taken patriotism to a whole new level. Patriotism has become equal to being a conservative, but it shouldn't be that way. Conservatives don't have a monopoly on patriotism and nor should they. And now we're arguing over they hate America versus we love America. They hate what we stand for. 
and we love what we stand for. And now, if there are liberals who want to be patriotic or want to love their country in a certain way, they're afraid of being mistaken as an ultra-conservative. So we have to be careful on how we weaponize certain words to be exclusive to our political size. I'm on the clear pill. I don't belong to any camp. I'm on the clear pill. I take every conversation by its own merits. I'm no longer a red team. I'm no blue team. I'm no liberal. I'm no conservative. I'm the person looking at each political point on its own individual merits and judging it based on that. Because if that's the only way I can possibly see going forward, and that's just not political, that's also religious, that's also social, anything that goes on in the world, I want to look at it from an individual basis, you know, just like individualism. I'm not making this one up. This is about a month ago. There was a good survey. 60% of young Americans said that they would sooner give up their right to vote than to give up access to TikTok or other social media. (laughs) That's a problem. So I think we have a crisis of... That's a problem. Oh, no, 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 no. That's a disaster. If what he's saying is true, that's a disaster. And I got to look that up. I got to look that up because, uh, let's see. Uh, I got to look that up and see if that's true and give up TikTok. Uh, that's crazy. I, I've never heard of anything like that. Teenagers would give up the right to vote to keep social media. All right, that's from Fox. Uh, let's see, floridasportsman.com. Should I go to TikTok? Reddit, CNN, TikTokers launch voter registration campaign. New TikTok, man, pass the Okay, um, all right, so, hmm. Okay, so, here we go. The only source that I can find on this is Fox News. Teenagers will give up their right to vote to keep social media. Survey reveals. Poll comes as 2024. Hold on. Yeah, I got these ads showing up. Uh, So it says, uh, social media continues to be a strong value of young adults as a new survey reveals a majority of teenage TikTok users would give up a right to vote in order to keep access to popular video sharing app. The Reboot Foundation found 59% of young adults with TikTok accounts said that if forced to choose between their social media or voting rights for one year, they would give up the latter. Okay, now they said for one year. To be fair, that that that's a that's a qualifier, you know. You have to throw that in there, right? Uh, and then you know, most people assume that if they don't vote for one year, everything will be fine. You know, among teens, the rate of voluntary disenfranchisement were even higher. Sixty-four percent of those aged thirteen to seventeen said they would give up their vote to keep social content flowing. <laughs> now, this is like I said, uh, the Reboot Foundation. Okay. So I went to the reboot website to see exactly who these people are. Uh, um, I don't know much about the reboot foundation. Each generation faces the challenges and struggle to adapt to a rapidly changing technological world. In the 1980s, computer transformed how society worked, communicated and accessed information. In the 1990s, the internet ushered in an era of global connectivity and e-commerce. Take TikTok, the video-centric social media networking app that didn't exist just five years ago. Currently, it boasts more than 1 billion users, and in 2021, it surpassed Google as the most popular global website. God damn. It is the app of choice for teens and young adults with an estimated 38% of U.S. teens saying it's their favorite social media platform. Indeed, a third of TikTok's American users are minors. 
And these teams are using TikTok in ways that go beyond, okay, all right, tell me, in light of these questions, the substantial body of research linking social media to negative life outcomes, Reboot conducted a series of surveys in early 2023 to learn about the usage habits of young TikTokers. Of particular interest was how the app influenced their beliefs and understanding of news, especially as it relates to science. The surveys also targeted U.S. adults to assess their social media reforms and regulations they would support. The surveys paint a picture of a society that is simultaneously influenced by and wary of social media platforms that have emerged as a dominant source of news and entertainment for the nation's youth. Highlights of our findings include young users ages 13 to 17 of TikTok have low trust in science. 42% uh, said they disagree with the statement, science helps the world more than it harms it. Conversely, in a general population, similar surveys have found about 75% of people agree that science helps more than it harms. The average TikToker spends more than two hours daily on the app. And 29% of younger girls and women use the app more than four hours a day. There was a strong relationship between the amount of time young people spend on the app and whether they perceive the content as trustworthy. 42% of heavy TikTok users said the information on the app is reliable compared to 23% of those who use it less than an hour a day. Were asked to choose between suspending their TikTok use for one year or giving up the right to vote for a year. Teen users overwhelmingly, 64% said they give up their voting rights. (laughs) Among U.S. adults, there is a strong support for prohibiting children under 16 from having social media accounts. There is also a strong support for requiring social media platforms to warn their users about the links between social media and mental health issues, for prohibiting digital platforms for advertising to children, and for reducing the power of algorithms. Okay, so that comes from Reboot, Elevate Critical Thinking, the RebootFoundation.org. So if y'all want to check that out, I highly recommend checking it out. But the only source I could find was uh, a Fox News poll. Uh, Fox News was the one that reported it. I didn't see anybody else report it, so I find that highly suspicious. Either it doesn't suit the other news network's uh, agenda, or it only suited Fox's agenda. That's why they reported it. Or maybe it's something about the study or the survey that wasn't newsworthy. You know, but y'all take that as y'all please. It's of national pride. Whose people fault are is that though. That's a, that's America's fault. That's the it system's is. fault for constantly failing the people. Well, you know, I I see it. Um... See, this is the mindset that I really don't understand. Who's more responsible for the well-being of America? Is it our politicians or is it us? I'd be curious to know what y'all think about that. Are are we more responsible for the state of our union? Are like, uh, is it more so like, don't ask what your country can do for you for what you can do for your country? Or is it more so the country is screwed because of our politicians and because of our government? And let's say it's both. What percentage would you give? Would you say 60% us and 40% them? 60% them, 40% us, 99% them, and 1% us? I would really like to know. And maybe I'll do a poll like that on my YouTube channel um, asking what, how people feel like who's more responsible for the state of the country. You know, But I think it's going to vary depending on where you fall politically. Um, I see it less about that. We can allocate the blame. We can talk about allocating the blame. I think there's blame to go around. I think it's up to all of us to take a long, hard look in the mirror and ask ourselves, what is that vacuum in our heart? It's an old saying that goes, if there's a hole the size of God in your heart and God does not fill it, (laughs) something else will instead. I think the same applies for belief in a nation as well. So I think what's going on is we're human beings. What makes us different from animals is that we can believe, we need to believe in something bigger than ourselves. And when we lose God and family and country, we start believing in new false gods instead. That's what's going on in the country. And so I don't know that it's so much a question of fault, but more a question of how do we actually revive our sense of self-confidence and pride. I can absolutely blame white supremacy. <laughs> Why this motherfucker's a fool, bro? This is a fool, man. This man 
Charlemagne is a whole motherfucking fool, bro. And, and, and look, I, I've seen enough of Charlemagne to God to know a fool when I see one. And every time I try to give him the benefit of the doubt, oh my gosh, does he just let me down? It's always about race. Understand that it always pivots to race. And look, this is a conversation that doesn't even have to be about race. This could just be simply about the whole state of our union and what we can do as a society to be better. And what, what do we get to? White supremacy. White supremacy. And, okay, Charlemagne, I'm practicing this new way of, you know, engaging with people. Let's say you're right. Let's say white supremacy is the problem. How do you fix white supremacy? Most of the people in our government is white. Most of the people in our country are white. And let's say that white supremacists control the government. They control most institutions, and they are the ones who pull in the strings. How do you stop them from pulling the strings? They have all the power. And how do you explain white supremacy allowing Barack Obama to get in office? How do you explain white supremacy for allowing so many black people to get in office and allow Kamala Harris to be vice president? How do you explain white supremacy allowing like the streets of Baltimore to be mostly uh, ran by police officers who are black and black police chiefs? You have to explain how white supremacy and why white supremacy is allowing these things. Why the Civil Rights Act? Why all of these things? If white supremacy is the problem, are you saying the white supremacists are just bad at their job? They're just bad at being white supremacists. Had to step out for a call. Hope I didn't miss much. Oh, you missed a lot, brother. Ah, you missed a lot. <laughs> but Charlemagne the God wants to make this about race. And I don't think he necessarily wants to make this about race because he cares so much because he's been peddling this thing for years and years. I think it's mostly because that's his stick. The Breakfast Club is all about talking about these types of things when it comes to politics. And that's his stick. He knows what his crowd wants to hear. He knows what they want to talk about. And that's what he's going to bring it back to. Really? Yeah. See? It's and then he says it as if it's just a given. <laughs> yeah. It's white supremacy. Yeah. It's like, once again, let's grant that white supremacy is a problem. What percentage of white supremacy is the problem? And what else do you contribute the problem to? It can't just be 100% white supremacy. See, no social scientist will ever tell you that you can just boil everything down to one root cause on why things are the way they are. Life is a little more complex than that. People are a little more complex than that. That's why the economy is so hard to like, you know, wrestle and grab because people spending decisions and what motivates people. It, there's a whole variety of different categories that you can place these different issues in and how they stack up. You cannot just say the whole problem with America is white supremacy. You have to be able to qualify that with other examples. Okay, let's say white supremacy is 50% or 60%. What makes up the other 40%? But in their mind, white supremacy is the only thing that's wrong with America. It is the root of everything and why all things must be impacted by it. And the reason that is is because it's a crutch. If you keep the crutch, if you never remove the crutch, you can always have an excuse on why you're not where you should be. Say more, and then I'll respond to that. I mean, just look at the history of the country. I guess it always goes back to the history of the country. Talk about today. It's really just that simple for me. The, 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 the country has never fulfilled its promises of freedom, liberty, and justice for all. It's always been freedom, liberty, and justice for some. Usually that some is uh, white people. So here's what I would say in response to that. That is obviously true. That is every country. There is no country on the face of the earth where all people are prospering at the same level. You're never going to have it unless we find a way to produce so much goods and so much prosperity amongst the whole entire planet that even being poor makes you a millionaire. 
there are going to be people who are going to excel and going to get more of the American pie than other people because there are different skill sets, depending on what time you grow up in, depending on what is required of you, what people are willing to pay for. There are so many different factors, but all they think about is race. True that the nation has fallen short of our promise since our founding. But walk through some obvious facts about America. We're not founded on an ethnicity or a monarch or a food or even a religion. We're founded on a set of ideals that brought a group of people together in 1776, and we live by those ideals. At least we aspire to those ideals today. A nation that aspires to ideals that's not made up of gods, but made up of human beings, will always fall short of those ideals. So I think our worst hypocrisies as a country, and we have many of them, mm-hmm. our worst hypocrisies are our best evidence that we have ideals at all. You take a look at other countries. Nobody ever calls the Chinese Communist Party a hypocrite or China a hypocrite or Iran a hypocrite. Why is that? Because to be a hypocrite, you at least had to have ideals in the first place. (laughs) He's really good. I I, I can't deny that. Look, there's so much more that I have to hear, like policy-wise and legislation and what he's trying to pass and things of that sort. But as far as a speaker, as far as like expressing his ideas, he's not fumbling. He's a young man. He's sharp. That, that that he has that going for him. I think if he can position himself right, get the right interviews, get on the right podcast, he can really be a force to be reckoned with. I, I really think so. If they allow him to get that far, perfect. But we are about the pursuit of a more perfect union, the pursuit of happiness. America's about the pursuit, and so I, I think oh, the trashing no. ourselves. I, I think well, we are actually that because you know we, we never were included in those ideals originally. Oh, originally, yeah, but never. In- you can't change it. Two hundred years from now, you can make that same argument. A- thousand years from now a billion years from now you can make that same argument we was never originally included in those ideas what's your point what's your point what you want me to do time travel go back change what was if i change what was you wouldn't be you you probably wouldn't be here and we'd be having a totally different conversation it'd be something else you're complaining about let's talk about now it always goes back to the past. And I'm not saying there's not a time and a place to reflect on the past and understand how it got us where we are. But you cannot make the argument that somehow we can't get where we need to go because somehow we come from a bad past. There has to be a path forward. Not originally are two different things. Originally, that's true. Over 250 years of progress. If you had somebody who was in 1870 looking at the world we live in today, if you had somebody in 1960 who was looking at the world we live in today. Hey, y'all make sure I hit the like button if y'all watching. Please hit the like button. It's good for the algorithm. Living today, as it relates to race in America, we would be darn close to what they would have thought of as the promised land. So I think we have to recognize that America is about that pursuit. We're a lot further along than we were 250 years ago. We, and here's the other thing, too. We got to set our expectations. We will always fall short of our ideals. By definition, if there are human beings and not gods living in a nation that aspires to ideals, we are fallen. Man is fallen. That's what makes us who we are. But what also makes us different from animals is that we have ideals. So America is founded on our humanity, that we can believe and aspire to something that we will still fall short of. That's what makes this country beautiful. And that's why. I, it, that's why I'm in this. You ask me why I'm in this. I care about reviving pride in that nation because if we get in the habit of just bashing that country, what are we bashing? We're bashing the last best hope that man has for aspiring to those ideals. Tell me who else has done better. I'll wait. I don't think I'm bashing the country. I think I'm bashing the system. I okay. To, I want to change. I want, I want, okay. I want to change the system. That's well, I'm, I'm with you on that. All right. Change the system then, bro. Get involved. Get out there. Uh, rough office. Everybody wants to change the system. It's become uh, a rallying cry on the left, the right, the middle. Everybody wants to change the system. The problem with people wanting to change the system, the people who really want to change the system are probably not qualified to make those changes. Let's be honest and let's be realistic about it. History is filled with a bunch of different people, ideologues, people who have these grand ideas on how they can change the system. We saw the French Revolution. We saw Nazi Germany. We saw Soviet Union. We saw America. 
America was uh, a story of people who lived under a corrupt system of the British Empire who wanted to change the system. But how far are you willing to go to prove that your idea of a new system is worth it? Because oftentimes these ideals come as utopian fantasies. And there's never going to be a utopian fantasy. You either have somebody who's thinking that everybody's just so great and all you got to do is just move out of their way and let them be great and we can prosper as a society. Just stop holding people back. And then you got the other people on the other side who just think everybody's so horrible so we have to make all the decisions for them and we have to put them in their place and make sure that they do the right things because they won't do it without our guiding hand. But it's usually somewhere in the middle. It's usually somewhere in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you on changing the system. What brings me into this? And what's your thoughts on some of the people that you're running against, Donald Trump and DeSantis? What are your thoughts on and them and their leadership and what they've done for the country so far? Yeah, you know, I think everybody's made their respective contributions. I respect some things about what each of them have done. I, I think the Republican Party, I tell this to conservative audiences all the time, <coughs> obsesses over the question of the who. You know, Ronna McDaniel. This is a cop out. <laughs> this is a fucking cop out for this amazing pivot. <laughs> Remember, the art of politics is persuasion. It's not about right and wrong. It's about persuasion. We want it to be right or right or wrong, but it's about persuasion. This motherfucker just pivoted. Straight up pivot. Playing it safe. And I'm sorry. I don't think if you play it safe at this time, it's going to get you where you need to be. And I wish it was different, but right now, politics is a blood sport. Uh, Donald Trump is going to come after you hard if you ever even get close enough to run against him. That's just where we are. Um... You're trying to play it safe. The man asks you a general conversation, like, what do you think about Donald Trump and the things that he's done? Right? And then you go on about, I think everybody, it's not about the who. And, come on, man. Don't pivot. You know, she's the chair of the Republican Party versus somebody else, or Kevin McCarthy or somebody else, or Donald Trump or somebody else. Is a superficial discussion versus actually just taking a step back, and the Republican Party does not do this enough. What do we stand for, and why do we stand for it? Actually, a lot of my criticisms are also directed at the fact that we define ourselves. When I say we, I'm running as a Republican, but as a party, in opposition to something. All right, that's what Joe Biden did. That's what the radical left does. And race, gender, sexuality, climate. I'm opposed to these, a lot of these ideologies of identity, but the right falls into the trap of just saying, we're not those things. And then we'll fight about which biographies win. Oh, I'm actually a bigger and more accomplished person than you. And I'm going to sling mud at you versus asking the question of what do we actually stand for? Now, for me, it's about individual, family, nation, God. You can agree or disagree, but at least that's... A no, the, everybody knows that's what the Republican Party generally stands for. That's nothing new. Everybody knows that the Republicans are very high when it comes to individualism, when it comes to tradition, things like that. God, like those things are well stated in the Republican Party. Let's not pretend as if it's not. And look, I don't think he's doing a bad job. I'm looking at this from like a couple lenses right now. One, I'm looking at it about how effective he is at communicating and persuading. I'm also looking at the truth. And how he presents his arguments and what he's saying. Is there any substance there? And, you know, right now, this is not really a political conversation. This is more so, uh, hey, I need y'all to know I exist. I need y'all to know that I'm out here. And these are kind of some of the things that I'm trying to, you know, bring awareness to. It's a vision that's different from a vision of identity grounded on race and gender and sexuality and climate. And so that's a long way of saying, I guess, what I see is deficient in the field, in, you know, entire Republican field, including candidates you mentioned, is they're all running from something. And I'm in this race because I want us to run to something. What is that something? A vision of what it means to be American. Mm. Okay, Revive the ideals of 1776. Revive the truth. Meritocracy. Excellence. Freedom of speech. Rule of law. A radical idea. This is not a Democrat or Republican idea. That the people we elect to run the government ought to at least be the ones who actually run the government. 
that's not the case today. You want to talk about fixing the system. You want to talk about one of the myths where we fall short of our ideals. We're taught in school that we have three branches of government. They're irrelevant compared to who actually runs the government. It's a fourth branch of government of three-letter agencies in Washington, D.C. That is a formula for corruption. Corruption we get. That's okay. a system we need to break down. You know, this is a common theme that I see a lot of, especially on the Republican side. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with it, but here, here, here's the um, breakdown. Because realistically, we have to look at this holistically, right? CIA, FBI, IRS, you know, NSA, people of these sorts of this elk, the people who are like, in these positions for long periods of time who are not elected but are appointed or people who work in these agencies, their job is to create some kind of stability amongst their unique specialty. We want the FBI to be experienced. We want them to be good at what they do. We want them to be true and honest to their purpose. And the only way you can really kind of get that is by people having a career in that field. You get good at something by practicing and doing it for a long period of time. So it's not necessarily a strike against you if these people have a specialty that they master and that they've done for years, even though they're not elected to do so. Where on the other side of the coin is what happens when these things become corrupt? What happens when these things are no longer serving the intended purposes or they're finding loopholes or they're going around and navigating in the best interest of themselves instead of the best interest of the public. How do you change those institutions and root out some of the bad aspects of it? It's going to be the positions in power. It's going to be the people you elect who has the power to reshape those organizations and do those things. But you also have to be very careful because we're operating in the black zone here. We're operating in the shadow. And what I mean by that is, the FBI, the CIA, and places like this, the NSA, and those types of organizations, they operate on a certain level of secrecy. And the only way to effectively do their job is by operating in a certain level of secrecy. It's a balancing act between how open you are to the public versus what you keep secret for the best interest of the nation. And when you're dealing in the black, oftentimes those lines can become very blurred because how do you know that they're not telling you something for your best interest? Versus them not telling you something because they don't want you to know what they're up to. That's the hardest aspect of this conversation. And I honestly don't have a good solution for you. The best you can do is try to elect good people. Try to hope that they have your best interests at heart. That they're going to be doing their due diligence with these organizations that are working in the shadows. And making sure that everything is tip-top shape. That's the best we can do. I don't know what else you want to offer, but you want to abolish all of these organizations and rebuild them from the ground up. What do we lose in that process? How do we open ourselves up to threats in that process? So a lot to consider. I mean, you could go down the list, SEC, FDA, EPA, FDA, TSA, the thousands, the tens of thousands of government bureaucrats working in Washington, D.C. They're the ones who actually make the laws. It's not Congress. And that's a formula. Those people aren't elected. Nobody elected them. <laughs> They're protected by these what are called civil service protections, which means even the president technically, under many people's beliefs, can't fire them. That's the permanent state, what many in the right will call the deep state. I think that's a problem. I think that falls short of our ideals. I think the same FBI that threatened Martin Luther King with suicide on the back of incorrectly collected tapes is now committing, you know, I would say hypocrisy and, and corrupt actions against people of a different political persuasion that the FBI doesn't like today. I just think it's a formula for corruption when you have unelected bureaucrats. Give an example, bro. You gave a pure example about Martin Luther King. Now tell me exactly what they're doing today. Give me a pure example. I know that he's going to point to the fact that the FBI said something about the lines of parents going to school to argue about certain LGBTQ criteria in the schools and treating them as a threat or people who are Trump supporters or something of that sort. 
give me something specific, something I can hold on to. That way I can look into it and find out exactly how accurate it is you're stating. Because when you generalize a statement like that, you're leaving me like, oh, okay, what are you talking about? Uh, where do you stand? I don't need generalities. I need to know exactly. Give me an example. Democrats that are actually setting policy. But that's a detail compared to my point, which is we need to revive the ideals that the nation was actually founded on and do a better job of aspiring to them. And we have Tesla Figaro. I'm sure Tesla has some questions. Tesla, you good? Yes, I, I do. Here we go. This is what I was waiting for, y'all. This madness. This madness here. Y'all don't miss this nonsense here. Um, so I, I've heard a lot of, you know, what you think and your vision, and I am, I'm a very practical person, and I want to kind of oppose sure. to talking about your opponents. Let's talk about you for a moment, and let's actually talk about your policy. Um, explain to me your position on the civic duty voting. Sure. So my position is, I think that every kid who graduates from high school should know the minimums about the country that we require an immigrant to know about the country in order to become a citizen. I'm going to say out the gate, I 100% agree with this. I think that in order to participate in the country and vote, to have, for your vote to count and matter, you have to qualify. Everybody has the ability to qualify. We're not taking people's votes because uh, we just want some people not to be able to vote. But you have to know the base minimum. There has to be like the base minimum of like, what is the three forms of government? You know, what rights are afforded to you? Like just some basic fundamental understanding, not just because we want informed people making decisions on who run our country, but it makes you a better citizen. You're invested in this thing because you understand what your rights are. You understand how your government operates and functions and what it's supposed to be doing. Now, people are going to argue that, oh, you're trying to take votes away from people and this, that, and the third. Well, let me ask you a question. Everybody seems to be pissed off and upset about the system. Everybody seems to be pissed off and upset about the government. And yet everybody can vote right now. So apparently everybody voting is not fixing the system. Maybe it's the fact that there are people who are so uninformed who are just pushing a button or casting a vote because they like the way somebody looked or they like the way they smell or they like their skin color or their what's between their legs. Like... <sighs> If you're going to tell me that there has to be certain qualifications in in the process of me being able to keep and bear arms, why shouldn't there be certain qualifications in order for you to be able to vote? I, this is something that I've always thought was a good idea. So there's a test. My mom had to pass it. Every immigrant has to pass it to this country. That asks you some basic questions. What are the three branches of government? What branch of government does the U.S. president lead? Some basic questions about what is the Bill of Rights? It's like a multiple choice exam or some of them you write in. I think that if we're going to ask immigrants to pass that test, as we should, I think every 18-year-old who graduates from high school should have to pass that as well, because young people, it goes back to that issue of pride. You don't value a country that you don't know something about. You don't value something you inherit. You value something you have a stake in creating, in building, or knowing something about. I, I agree with that to a certain extent. Now, I can hear the rebuttal right now. The rebuttal is going to be, well, maybe we shouldn't ask immigrants to do that. <laughs> Some, somebody's going to argue, well, or maybe we shouldn't ask immigrants to know those things. Maybe that's unfair to them. So they, they're going to argue in the exact opposite. That way they can get around this whole idea of like, well, yeah, I mean, why should they have to know it? But the people who are actually Americans from their birthright don't know these things. You know? So, so how do we think big about this? Well, young people, as I told you, most of them, very few of them vote as it stands today. Super small numbers. And apparently 60% of them say they would rather give up the right to vote than give up TikTok. Well, I say, all right, let's take that to the next level. How about we do something that raises the voting age from 18 to 25? But you still get to vote at 18. If you just pass that same civics test that an immigrant has to pass in order to vote. And tests aren't for everybody, so so be it. Then you at least serve in the military or first responder role for six months. That's my <laughs> civic duty voting proposal. And, and, and the, the reason is, I'll actually make a prediction. I think youth voting in this country will skyrocket. After from a very low level right now, it will skyrocket because you value something you actually have to earn. And I think that this is not a left-wing or right-wing point. We all have duties as citizens, right? 
you know, we, we, we aspire to free market capitalism, right? Materialist advance. And that's the life I've lived as well, by the way. I, my parents came to this country with not a lot of money. I've lived the American dream. I've made a lot of money by building businesses. That's one side of what it means to be an American. But part of it is we also have duties to this country. And I think the more we wake that up, actually, the voting age only became 18 in 1971 in the context of the I, Vietnam draft. So I just think reviving those ideas would be good for us. This, this guy's a beast. Believe it or not, this might be the most well-spoken guy that I've seen running for president right now. Um, and I'm talking about, he's better spoken than Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, uh, RFK Jr. This guy is very clean, very pristine in, his, in how he delivers his, 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 his points. And boy, you get this man on national stage and let him talk. Now. This is different than being in a hot seat, but we're going to see how you handle it because things are going to get a little crazy. Well, let's let's, yeah. let's prove your point. Nick, our camera guy, do you know the three branches of the federal government? Only 24, so it don't but, matter. But, but I'm you saying, but nobody knows they have 24. Red, do you know the three branches? Legislative, judicial, and the executive. What the? Executive. Oh, nobody knows it. Maybe y'all don't because y'all listen to hip hop all day. Well, that, well, I got a test. I got a test. I would, I would like to see if you're willing to pass um, because I believe in just human <laughs> and civic engagement. I, I believe in changing the ideas of what political opponents will look like, what should what they should look like, or political candidates. Uh, are you willing to take a test with me quickly? Because I just have a couple of questions for you. I will. Um, so, Absolutely. So just, <laughs> and the way this is opening up, I have a feeling I'm about to fail it, but that's good. Let's, let's do it. That's, that's right. Yeah. Um, so uh, just for clarity, I am independent. I'm not a Democrat. You can hear her voice. She's adversarial. Or if she just speaks that way, that's it, it just comes off as like you're ready to do battle. At our Republican, cool. I think that's important for the premise of the argument because I know you did a lot of debating at, at Harvard. Uh, it's also I also want to make it clear these are the same questions that I asked a uh, liberal Democrat Marianne Williamson. So I want to make sure that we put that out there as well, just Fair. to kind of set the foundation. I'm for open the to being humble. Let's do this. Okay, great. Let's go. Um, so you mentioned uh, you know the pride of being an American and how important it is uh, to have pride in this country. I'm also a veteran, uh, by the way, uh, for you. the United States Air Force. So when is it that you voted for the first time? I voted in 2020. Okay, so you're how old again? I'm 37 years old. So for how many years you sat around and did not get involved at all in any civic engagement? Is that my understanding? A long First of all, voting does not mean you're not involved in civil engagement at all. There are plenty of people who protest. There are plenty of people who go to their city council meetings and engage in their communities and feed the poor, all kind of different stuff. People who serve in the military who don't vote. What are you, what, what? She just make the assumption off the rip that you must have not engaged in any civil duties like that. One, it must imply that time is the answer. And actually, I wrote, oh. I mean, that's what I wrote this book about. I am. I'm not holding myself out as some sort of model. I'm actually offering myself as a self-reflection of my journey as a citizen, okay. to whom this country has yeah. given much, right? As an adult, when you have kids, it changes your perspectives. I'm very honest about that. Absolutely. Okay, no problem. So let's... Okay. Now, he delivered that pretty well. Go deeper into the self-reflection. So you've sat around for... And, and sir, I'm being as respectful as I possibly can. Please don't take anything uh, and you don't hard even have way. To be. Just, and you don't yeah. even have to be. So take it yeah. off and let's well, go. So you've been sitting around in the country that my ancestors built for about 20 years. Uh, your parents... <laughs> you've been sitting around... In a country that my ancestors built. What? 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 Really? 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 I don't even want to talk to these people. Do not want to talk to these people. What, what, what are you doing? You don't get any credit. You don't get to invoke what your ancestors did because you didn't do it. You don't get any brownie points. You don't get a plus one because you somehow come from somebody that you don't even know and say, oh, which my ancestors built, why does that even matter? Why is that even in the conversation? Everybody had a part to play in building this country in some shape, form, or fashion. Whether you created an invention, whether you immigrated here from, uh, what, Africa, Italy, it, it really doesn't matter. And you contributed. You got a job. You worked. You, you helped build something. Like, this idea that we 
oh, my ancestors built this country. No, your ancestors had a part in building this country. But let's not make it seem as if they came over here by themselves, built America, and then somebody came over here and stole it from them. It's much more complicated than that. This came over as immigrants brought you over. You made millions, according to your uh, resume, off of this country, and you have absolutely not been involved in civics, one, not voting, and two, let me just ask, because I know you mentioned earlier, you don't want to sit around at the debate and talk about accomplishments. Let's make the accomplishments pretty simple. In high school, were you ever a class president or take any leadership role? Because your opponent did, Chris Christie, he was the class president. So yeah, have you ever I taken mean, any I, leadership at all on anything? Have, can, or just? Can, can I just correct a couple factual things uh, that are kind uh -huh. of important? My parents didn't bring me over to the country. I was okay, born in this country, and I'm proud no, of that. No, I know you were born here in Ohio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ohio. You, know, you mentioned my parents. Your parents were immigrants. My apologies. That's all right. You said your parents brought you over to this country. I yeah, my apologies. That I straight. mean, they were immigrants, but let's they not go down the water. No, 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 we're not going to water. I just want to correct a couple facts, and then the other thing. You is, were born here in Ohio. I was right? born. I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio. That's right. Right. So yeah. you've been here. She didn't like being corrected. <laughs> she didn't like that shit. <laughs> your entire life. So the question That's is: right. Did you take any leadership role in middle school, high school, class president? I did. I know you played tennis. What? What is it? Explain it. Student council. But you know, I think that this is. The, yes, I have I've held leadership roles over my life, but those don't qualify me to do what I'm doing now. Yeah, it kind of does. Okay, well, well, it kind of does. Well, let me. Well, I'm giving the test. I'm the test okay, administrator. Right, there you go. So it kind of does because when you go from saying I want to go to the highest, office I'll tell you, what, I've led companies as well. Is the other leader right, the well, main leadership right, role I've played is, is and, and I want to talk about one early part of your premise that I also want to say mm -hmm. bring it to the country point. The other point, you use the word sitting around. You know, I, I'm not somebody who say it. I've, I, I want the next generation, my kids' generation, to have more civic duties when they graduate from high school and college than I did when I did. That being said, I wasn't sitting around. I've developed medicines, five of which are FDA-approved products today, one of mm -hmm. which is a life-saving therapy in kids, 20 of whom die by the age of three if they're not treated, 70% of whom now live lives of a normal duration. Another one for prostate cancer. Shit. So I, I don't apologize for making... Damn. Woo! That man dropping bombs. Well, how you how you combat that? Like, how you, how you come back from that? I mean, let's be honest. Like, if you're arguing in good faith right now, good faith, like, even if I was having a conversation with this guy, right? Once you tell me that you've created life-saving drugs that actually save lives, how am I to question your contribution to the country? Like, it's going to be very hard from an adversarial position to rebut that. But some people are not smart enough to know when they're beat. As we will see. Contributions. But right. Well, I don't want you to filibuster that no um, because Just that's not the question there. that I ask. And I don't consider as a veteran, I'm talking about service. I'm not talking about what you Civic did for service. profit. I'm not talking about what you what you paid people to do. That's a service. What do you mean? Just because you got paid for something, then you mean you offer your service. You went to the military. You got paid. You said you were a veteran. You didn't go to the military for free. You got paid. And I guarantee you, if you didn't get paid, you'd be upset about it. And you'd be arguing for your payment, your compensation. What are you talking about? Who goes out into the world and offer up services and just because they get paid for it, they don't consider that serving the public or doing something within the public interest? Yeah, I've not, not served the country. Because that means nothing to me. Do, do what I'm talking about, she, she said that means nothing to her. It means nothing to her that this man's literally created life-saving drugs. It means nothing to her. This lady is an embarrassment. Not only is she an embarrassment to black people, she's an embarrassment to the show. Because she's coming on here as a representative of the black vote. My ancestors, so quick to jump out and try to be a representative of a group. And you are not even somebody worthy of that position. Able to ask a question. She's been trying to Go ask a question yeah. and she, you've been talking over I'm all ears. We, we gave you the platform to let you say I'm all ears. Yeah. I'm all ears. Yeah. 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 I'm all ears. So your question, so my question again is you're trying now she said my question again is to your your goal is to raise the standard and you're saying you want people to believe in country and you want people to I hate when somebody said they have a question and then they ramble on and make a bunch of different assertions and stuff before they even try to get to a question. Have civic engagement. And sir, I just find it very telling that you See, this is a statement. I just find it very telling. You're not asking the question.
ask the question. If you hear this man is there for an interview, this man is there to get out what exactly he believes. But yet, I got a question for you. But I'm going to make all of these different points and assertions along the way. You haven't had any civic engagement at all and haven't been at all. And when I say sit around, I don't mean you haven't done anything. I'm talking about in regards to service. Because one thing about political office, the same way that you want to change how people look at uh, politics and look at this country, I want to change how people look at politicians. And when I see that someone hasn't did anything at all to be of service to mankind, to take a leadership role, it's not good enough to just be on city, city uh, student council where you're a leader. All of that applies. Have you been able to get anybody in the room at any time from a high school gymnasium to Ohio? This man just said he led companies. This man just said he led companies. Am I missing something here? Am I missing something here? Uh, Republican leadership there to now. Have you been able to get anybody in the room to believe in this vision? I don't agree with a lot of your vision statement, but I do know you've been going around having these discussions and getting everybody emotionally worked up to talk about vision and debate. But I want to get to the practical. You're trying to go from preschool to... to What's the question, ma'am? What's the question, ma'am? Give me an exact, direct question. Please. President of the United States, you're skipping over city council, county council, mayor, governor. You want to go straight to the top. So my question is this. I found it funny how her hands and arms just keep disappearing. <laughs> The PR is this the PR, the perception of reality, or have you? Can you point to any leadership where you've been able to get people to believe in what you're talking about that they're not paid to do on any of these vision statements that you have? If not, then to me, it's just it's a mute point because you're, you're telling you're holding a standard that you haven't met yourself. So, do you have to meet a standard in order to hold it yourself? Let, 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 let's see, right? Let's say, let's say I worked hard as a, a let's say I worked hard as a truck driver my entire life and I got my wife pregnant. She had a son and we raised a son together and I want this son to grow up to be better than me. I have expectations of him that I've never met in my life. Am I wrong for holding those expectations and trying to push him higher than I was pushed by recognizing that I could have been better. So I see more in him and see his potential. Am I wrong for that? Where's the logic here? This is not a philosophical thinker. This is not somebody who's, trained in the art of debate and how to engage in a conversation. This is somebody who's very opinionated, who thinks she, her voice is somehow crucial to the conversation. She gets up here and she starts babbling and babbling on. Yeah, you serve the country. Thank you for your service. I really do. But let's be honest. Some people are more, some people are worth more as a body than they are a brain. And you see that oftentimes just because you go to the military don't make you a smart person. Just because you go in the military don't mean you get to invoke your service as being better than somebody because they didn't serve or didn't run for office or some of that sort. Let's be honest here. Some people are better off as a body than they are a brain. You can quote me on that. So if you're only going to count government service. You're absolutely no, not government right. service. Okay. Student council in the eighth grade, ninth grade. Were you yeah. a leader? Did you did you do anything to rally anybody? Did you fight for better lunch? I did in the sixth grade with Miss Harris. <laughs> yeah. I'm not talking about government. I can go all the way back from the fifth grade every every. So it matters more to you what this man did, possibly in middle school or high school, than what this man did as far as leading companies, developing life saving therapies or drugs, and literally saving lives. It matters more to you whether this man organized something in middle school or, or etc. Three years, sir, because people who are in service to this country, if mm -hmm. you're going to go around saying you want people to believe in this country that I signed up to mm -hmm. die for, then I want to make sure that you're holding that same standard. So not government, not political. Let's not get it confused. Yeah. I'm saying, have you did anything of service that we can point to to say he is a good leader? Like Chris, and I'm not even a fan of Chris Christie, yeah. but he was the student council president in high school. So, <laughs> bro. I guess it's good that I'm not running for president because some people I just don't want to engage with. As soon as I start realizing that a person is of a certain elk, I just disengage. All right. You're adversarial. I'm trying to explain to you what exactly I've done. And that's not good enough for you. So you start rambling on about a bunch of other stuff that 
doesn't compare to what I've already given you. I don't want to talk to you no more. I no longer want to engage with you anymore. Find somebody else to talk to. Have you done anything of service besides yourself that has not benefited yourself? It's just a simple question. So I, the acts of service that I have performed are small, so small that I don't even <laughs> want to talk about them to boast. But yes, have I volunteered for this I country? Did. Yes, I have. I've always so been like, interested well, in healthcare. It's okay to Bethesda talk about the small things. I mean, these are matters. small things, right? But thank you for oh, well, just, let's just mention so, 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 Bethesda North Hospital. Really it's not a no. It's just something I don't like boasting about. I, I well, we're not boasting. We're, yeah, it's an interview. You're boasting on your vision right. and everything else. I think you boasted on the millions of dollars that you made. So let's just throw that. So in sixth grade, I'll give you an example. I'll help you. He didn't say anything about the millions of dollars he made. He said, I led businesses and I created these these drugs. That man, not for once, didn't say, I'm a millionaire and I made millions of dollars. That man did not boast about being rich. In sixth grade, Miss Harris was slapped. Let me give you an example because maybe you're confused. In the sixth grade, Miss Harris was snatched. Just talking, talking. Talking, 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 talking. Now, listen to the example. Papers from everybody in the classroom. So, me as a 10 year old, I went to the principal and said, I'm tired of Miss Harris snatching papers. And I organized the students around getting Miss Harris to stop snatching papers. Now, there was a consequence for that. I got uh, suspended for five days for talking back, and I got in trouble, I got a spanking, and I was on punishment for months and months. But that is a simple way of organizing people. So, I want you to kind of boast about it the way you did the millions of dollars and said what you did with the drug, uh, the pharmaceutical companies. What leadership can you point to that you've been able to rally anybody around anything that is. Man, just say he led companies. And listen, if you want to fix the black community, if you want to help the black community, stop letting people like this talk. Stop engaging with them. Stop hearing what they got to say until they take the time to argue in good faith, take the time to actually understand the conversation on a, a basic level. Stop letting these people get platforms. It's of service that you did not pay anybody to do. I think that's important for the next president of the United States. Sure. So I've always been drawn to healthcare. That's why I ended up founding companies in that space. When I was in high school, part of what drew me into it was that I was a volunteer at a local hospital. She's I actually terrible. became the leader know, of that group right? of volunteers that actually discharged Strange women who had recently twice. given birth. That was it. Nothing did to it. Stream's still going, y'all, I hope so. Y'all let me know in the comment section that the, the stream's still going. David said the stream's been blocked twice. Uh, I hope it's still going. Let me check my YouTube to make sure. I'm going to keep playing it just in case. Anything we can point to to stand but, out? But, yeah. I want, but I want to say something about that because I say that in the book. If I'm being really honest, why did I do that in high school? A part of the motivation, I'll be just brutally honest with you, was... Part of the motivation was that's actually what allows you to get into a good college when you graduate. Right, you so, it about, so it was about you. So, so it was about that, self. So there's a, that, and I'm admitting that in a way that very few other people do, but I got to be honest about it. That was a big part of why I did it. Stream unavailable. Stream suspended for policy violation. Oh, man. Isn't that something? Well, okay. So y'all let me know. Hold on. Uh, I ain't never wanted to reach through my phone so bad. <laughs> It's a stream back, y'all. I, I think this video is causing me some complications. Uh, it should be back. Uh, I don't know why it keeps blocking. I think that it might just be, it might be due to, uh, it might be a, a copyright situation. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I'm going to keep trying to watch it. If it goes out again, y'all let me know. And then I, I, I'll move to another uh, conversation. Uh, we'll move to a different video or something. Yeah, yeah it was about and I'm going to be honest. I'm going to give it back to the guys. I'm going to be honest about it with you. Yeah. Leadership is not about self. I agree so with you on I, that. I what, I just you on heard, that. what I just heard is that everything is about you. And to be honest with you, this is just a PR campaign, sir, to be honest with you. And I think you're moving, you're trying to go further to the right because you want the Republicans to accept you as a, as a man of color. And I think she wants the Republican. He wants the Republican people. To, he, first of all, she has, she she's making claims that she has yet to prove. She has not yet got him to show his hand as being a bad faith actor. 
He admitted to everything. He said that, yeah, I didn't vote until 2020. Uh, you don't have to reveal your voting history. You don't have to tell people exactly uh, how you voted when you started voting. But he revealed that. He came up straightforward about it. So you have to first establish that he is a bad faith actor and then call him out on it. But yet you're making the claim that he's a bad faith actor without providing any evidence to point to that direction. And I just think that why are we allowing this woman to keep talking? Charlemagne, I'd rather hear Charlemagne go back and talk. Oh, boy, I hope this stream holds up, y'all. <laughs> this conversation is getting good. <laughs> the only way you think you can do that is to be so extreme I appreciate uh, with, your your, with your positions. And I think you need to do a little bit more work in, in service. I'll give it back to you guys. Because she did ask me a question, uh -huh. and, then, uh, and then you guys said you wanted to hear a response, but I think I heard an expression of opinion. So just I want to make sure you're all done before I respond. Because she didn't ask a question. What? Yeah, what's the question? Remember, what? A few minutes ago, she was like, I need to ask my question. I need to ask my question. But yet. She just rambled on, rambled on, rambled on. He tried to respond, rambled on, rambled on, rambled on, made up a bunch of assertions. But, no, know, just that, wanted to say that even then, I would still want you to point out, even at the yeah. hospital, something that you did that, that made you stand out on when actually taking a leadership role. But you, you already answered it. You said yeah. you did it because it was a motivation to get in college. Exactly. Which means and it was I'm about very you. honest about that. But I, everything's I, about, so everything has been about you. So as let, a veteran, let me as tell a veteran, you something. I it's very hard for me to follow leaders that, that make everything about them. So you might want to work on that. It shouldn't matter what. What what should matter is is this person a like is this person going to implement the right policies? I think the Breakfast Club is pretty hard on copyright. Yeah, that 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 might be the case. Especially they got a lot of people that's going after them. Uh, a lot of people might make reactions to this video and things of that sort. So they probably really hard. But lately, I've been getting hit hard with a lot of copyrights from artists. I've been doing reaction videos to like videos I made a year ago. I'm getting copyright strikes on. So it seems like a lot of people cracking down on their copyrights. So I mean, it's just. I do it the best I can, but yet stream went out again. Stream unavailable. Okay, so we're going to have to cut this off. Thanks for watching. If you enjoyed the video, subscribe for more. If you would like to get access to exclusive content, consider becoming a member or a patron at patreon.com slash the Hobby Lobby. You can also continue the conversation by joining the Hobby Lobby Discord. You can find all the links in the description below.